0: Good morning, good to see everyone and good to have some visitors with us this morning. We're thankful for your that you're here and we invite you to come back whenever you have the opportunity. Title of our lesson this morning is Ruth or the book of Ruth. Tell me what do you see uh, the last couple of weeks we've been studying Ruth on Wednesday evening as that was the kind of final book in our workbook that we were using but Ruth is only four chapters. We only spent a couple of weeks on it. And Wednesday evening after class, somebody was asking me, they said, Are we done? Is that that it? (laughs) I said, Well, I guess so. That's kind of what we had in our workbook there. And then others expressed the idea, Well, it wouldn't hurt if we went a little bit further with that. And uh, I certainly understand that because as you read the book of Ruth, small book that it is, there is just a whole lot of information that is contained therein. Some have said that Ruth is a small book with a big message. Another writer spoke about the book of Ruth this way. They say when you look at the book of Ruth, it's like an iceberg. You see just a small part but the larger part is really underneath, and that's where you kind of have to dig into the book of Ruth and you find out what all is, is revealed there. So as you, as you think about the book of Ruth, some people look at it and they say, well, that's just a small book that's kind of tucked away there in the Old Testament. Some look a little deeper and kind of delve into, start to read the book of Ruth, and you find the main characters of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. And some people, as they look at the book of Ruth, they say, well, there's redemption in there, and that's certainly so. And as you study the book of Ruth, you also find out that God's providence is in there, and that's certainly so. But I want to suggest to you that there's some other things in there also, and we're going to kind of explore that a little bit this morning. But as we get into this, I just simply want to ask you, It's like when you look at the book of Ruth, what do you see? And so, in regards to that sort of question, I want us to take a look at the time because it's important as you study the book of Ruth to recognize the time frame in which this book was written. We want to take a quick look at the story and then we want to take a look at the message that is uh, recorded there. Recorded there for us. First of all, I'll just pull this up. The time. Ruth chapter 1, and verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. The writer states that right at the outset. It's like that kind of jumps right out you. Now in the days when the judges ruled. He wants us to understand that this story, this setting, takes place during that period of time in Israel's history. We just studied the book of Judges just here recently, but I want to kind of remind you, as we take a look at this story of Ruth this morning, some of the things that we learned from the book of Judges. I want you to notice, if you'll turn in the book of Judges, if you're already at root, just turn to your left a little bit there, and go to chapter 2, and I want to read from verse 18 and 19, because in Judges chapter 2, you have kind of this summary statement that helps you kind of see what was taking place in the book of Judges. Verse 18, And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bowed down to them. They did not cease from their own doings from, or, nor from their stubborn way. What does that say? <laughs> During this period of the judges... God would allow their enemies to oppress them. And then when they were being oppressed, finally they would cry out to God. And God in His mercy and His pity, He would send a judge to deliver them. And they would return to faithfulness for a period of time while the judge lived. But then after the judge died, they'd go right back to doing the same old thing that they were doing before. And that's the cycle that you see in the book of Judges repeated over and over and over again. But now I want to add something else to that time frame that we need to understand about the book of Judges. Turn over to Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. This is kind of the final statement contained within the book of Judges. Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. It says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> now you kind of have to understand what the writer is suggesting. In that period of time, where these people oftentimes turned away from God, and then ended up being oppressed by their enemies, and doing what was right in their own, time, in their own eyes, He says at that time there was no king in Israel. So they just did what was right in their own eyes. Judges is really about apathy. And it's really about apostasy. They didn't recognize how much they had been blessed by God and not recognizing how much they had been blessed by God, they turned away and served other gods and then God would allow them to be oppressed the statement that is used there in the book of Judges when it says that every man did what was right with his own eye the word that is used there, "eye" over and over and over again means more than just sight it also means perception in other words this is the way I see things And based upon the way I see things, I'm going to determine what I'm going to do in any given situation. You ever say that to somebody? Well, how do you see this? (laughs) Or, tell me how you see this and what would you do? And during the period of the judges, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes instead of doing what was right in God's eyes. Now let me give you a corresponding statement from the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew the sixth chapter and about verse 22, that the lamp of the body is the eye. But he goes on in verse 23 and he says, "If your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness." And if the light in you is dark, how great is that darkness? You know what I say? <laughs> if you're just dependent on yourself and your eye is dark, that darkness is great. <laughs> you need something, someone to give you light. Otherwise, you're going to be walking in darkness. And in the days of the judges, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes instead of doing what God said. Let me give you just a few key themes from the period of Judges. And it would go just simply like this. The reason why Israel even dwelt in the land of Canaan is because of God's grace. A long time ago, God had promised through Abraham that you are going to have a son and from that lineage, I'm going to create a nation and he showed Abraham this land and he said, I'm going to bring your descendants here. And several centuries later, As you read the book of Joshua and you read the book of Judges, that's exactly what took place. God took Abraham's descendants, made a multitude of people out of them, and delivered them into the land of milk and honey. (laughs) You are blessed to be here. And it's God who brought you here. And that's the statement that is made at the close of the book of Joshua that not one word of the promise that God had made had failed, but everything had been fulfilled. And then you have the book of Judges in that time frame. And when we study Judges, remember how it started? It started off so good. They turned to God and asked what they should do, and God told them. But immediately following that, what happened? They began to compromise. And compromise ultimately led to chaos. (laughs) And that's the way the book of Judges goes. And that's the time frame. But from the book of Judges, one of the very first things you ought to remember is the reason why you are even here is because of the grace of God. But secondly, they should also remember That they would continue to dwell in that land if they remained faithful. And the oppression that they oftentimes suffered is because they were turning away from God. And so God was trying to teach them when you turn away, you will be oppressed, but if you come back, you will be delivered. And he did that over and over and over again. But continually, once they had been delivered, they would turn away. But despite their repeated apostasy, God in his mercy, God in his pity, he would deliver them. But with those judges, it was just a temporary reprieve. Those judges were never successful in turning them continually back to God. So in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, when the writer says that at that time there was no king in Israel, that's a statement of fact. And every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, but that's also a statement of where God is wanting to take them. I'm going to take you to a place where you'll recognize a king because they needed a godly king so that they would submit to him and they would serve God. Genesis the 17th chapter God had promised long ago that they would have a king. And in Deuteronomy the 17th chapter, he even described what a godly king would look like. But the book of Judges shows us what happens to a people when there is no godly leadership. And so in the book of Ruth, it begins. And it says... In the days when the judges ruled. But I want to show you something from the close of the book of Ruth. And then we'll kind of get to the story in a minute. At the close of the book of Ruth, in verse 22, it says, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Here's the book ends. To the book of Ruth. Chapter 1. Verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. That is a low point in Israel's history. Chapter 4 and verse 22. It's Obed. It's Jesse. It's David. You know what he's saying? That's the high point. (laughs) So taking you from the low point of Israel's history. To the high point when David reigned. And so this story in the book of Ruth is contained during that period of time. So now then, that story. Ruth chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, of Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Keleon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. In the days when the judges ruled, there's a famine in the land. Now I want you to think about that. What land is that? That's the land of Canaan. That is the promised land. That is the land where God said that He would deliver His people to and He had brought them there and He had planted them in that land. But it says there's a famine. And so, Elimelech, And his wife, Naomi, with their two sons. They head off for Moab. Living in the promised land. Delivered there by God. Living under his law. Along comes some challenging times. And they take off for Moab. Moab is a foreign land. Moab is a foreign people. These people do not serve the God of heaven. These people worship false gods. And Elimelech and Naomi and their family take off for there. I want you to stop and think about that a moment. Does that seem like a good idea? Well, some people might say there's a famine back here and we think we can get something to eat over here. So let's go. But hang on just a moment. Over here is God and God's people. And God's law. Tough times? Yeah, there's a famine. But do you think it's really a good idea to go to a foreign land, foreign people who do not serve God, they worship false gods, let's go and live with them. Is that a good choice? let me give you this illustration just to kind of chew on think about as you think about this decision that they made there was a person that I was talking to it's been a few years back they were having some marital issues and this person told me that they had been to see somebody to talk about meritational, just another individual. And at first I thought, well, that's not so bad because even Proverbs tells us that in many counselors there is wisdom. Sometimes when you're confronted with an issue, with a problem, it's good to get input, different perspectives, and make a decision about what you're going to do. But here's what this person told me. The person that they went to talk to had been divorced three times. Good choice. Good counselor. So you've got God's people facing a difficult situation and where do they go? A foreign land? Foreign people who do not serve God? Who worship false gods? I won't take the time to go there but if you want to know a little bit more about Moab go back and read Judges 3 we studied that remember one of the first judges that we studied he was a left handed guy remember that Ehud and guess who Ehud delivered God's people from Eglon And Eglon was the king of who? The Moabites. Who had been oppressing God's people for 18 years. So Elimelech and Naomi head off from Moab. And after they're there, their two sons end up marrying Moabite women. Elimelech dies. And then the two sons die. And now Naomi is left in a foreign land without a husband and without sons. But then Naomi hears that there is bread once again back in Judah. And so she decides she should now go home. It was rough with God and His people and we left. Came to a foreign land, foreign people, false gods, And now I hear it's better back there. So I'm going back. I'm not here to judge Naomi. (laughs) I'm just here to ask you to consider her actions. And so when I read that, I have this question. Is Naomi acting out of conviction or convenience? Let me ask you this. Do you know any Christians like that? Hey, things are going good. I'm here. Things start going bad. I'm out. Oh, things are getting better. I'm back. Is that functioning out of conviction or convenience? Now, as I look at Naomi, I just have to ask that question. Now, I'm going to tell you this also because I've read various books about this book. And people oftentimes pick out these three characters. It's Boaz, it's Ruth, it's Naomi. And each and every one of those characters, they have qualities that are outstanding. And Naomi has some qualities that are outstanding, and I do not deny that. All I'm saying is, give consideration to her actions. And what is God trying to tell us? And not only give consideration to her actions, think about her words. So now she decides that she's going to go back because she's heard that there's bread back in Judah. And her two daughters-in-laws, who have lost Naomi's sons, their husbands, they say, we'll go with you. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Leave these foreign people and these foreign gods, these false gods, and go with Naomi back to a land where they serve God, the true God of heaven. And what does Naomi tell them? Don't go. (laughs) Don't do it. Your chances are better here. What chances are better here? Well, you might find a husband. You might settle down. You might have your own home. You might have plenty of bread to eat right here. Yeah. But what about the God of heaven? Have you ever heard anybody give that kind of advice? Let me ask you this question. As a Christian, would you give that advice? Hey, look. Here I am over here. I'm not a Christian. I've been thinking about going with you. And I heard things could be tough as a Christian. And you'd have to say, yes, sometimes it's tough being a Christian. You go through some hard things as a Christian. Tell you what. Sounds to me like you could have a husband, you could have a nice house. Materially, you could really be blessed in life. Stay there. Is that the advice she would give? I wouldn't think so. But that's the advice that Naomi initially gives. And Orpha, one of her daughters-in-law, what'd she say? At first she said, no, I'm going with you. Naomi convinces her. No, you stay there. And Orpha does. But Ruth, Ruth, she said, No. I'm going with you. And that's where we read those words. Where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And that's the words that Ruth speaks to Naomi. She's going to give up Her homeland. She's going to give up her family. She's going to give up her old life. And I know that it may be tough, but I'm going with you. And so we look at that and we talk about Ruth and we say, that's love, that's dedication. That's willingness to sacrifice for somebody else. Because she's going to go. And she's going to take care of her mother-in-law. And so that's the scripture that we read this morning when it says that they, the two of them returned. And so when they come to Bethlehem, the village, the city recognizes this is Naomi coming. And they go out to her and they say, is that you, Naomi? Naomi? She goes, don't call me Naomi. Because Naomi means pleasantness. Don't call me that. Well, what should we call you? You call me Mara. Why? Because Mara means bitterness. She said, I went out full. And I came back empty. God Almighty has dealt harshly with me God Almighty has dealt harshly with me I'm going to let you in on another little thought right here because back in the book of Deuteronomy see Elimelech and Naomi left when there was a famine but God had told them the nation of Israel previously back in Deuteronomy the seventeenth chapter if you go after and you serve other gods you know what I'll do I'll shut up the heavens and the land will not produce a harvest why would God do that to teach him to be faithful to him But when a famine came, where did Elimelech and Naomi go? She says, I went out full. And I came back empty. You think Naomi's learned anything? Let me ask you this. When you look at Naomi, can you see a little bit of Israel? So, Naomi and Ruth return. Naomi is older. And in the second chapter, Ruth recognizes they got to (laughs) eat. And in order for them to eat, she's got to go to work. So, Ruth says that she's going out to glean from the fields because when they returned, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. And in that day and time, the men would be out working, but there would be others And women that would sometimes follow along after and they would pick up what was missed and so forth. Hard work for little return. But Ruth recognized it had to be done if they were going to eat. But it just so happens, it just so happens, of all the fields that she could have gone and worked in, she happens to go to the field of a man by the name of Boad. Boaz happens to take notice of her. And he begins to ask, who is that? And they tell him who she is and that she is the one that has returned with Naomi and he recognizes that that is a virtuous, self-sacrificing type thing she's doing. She has left her land and her people to come there and she's out there working to provide for herself and for Naomi. So what does Boaz do? He calls for her. Come have lunch with us. You want to drink from the water that the workers have provided? Drink all you want. And then he tells the workers, when you go back to harvesting, hey, drop a little extra along the way that she might be able to pick it up. And he even tells her, you can kind of enter into the main part of the harvest. You can get some of that. And so, Ruth is impressed by all this. She can't hardly believe her good fortune. And so that day when she goes back home and she tells Naomi about all this, Naomi says, You were working where? Boaz. She says, Wait a minute. He's a close relative of ours. Of Elimelech. He could be our family redeemer. And what that means, just very simply, is this. In that day and time, it was important to have a piece of ground. Because if you had that piece of ground, your family would have something to work. And that means you would have something to eat. And so her husband is dead. Her sons are dead. And she tells Ruth, that Boaz is a close relative. He could possibly be our family redeemer that could purchase this land back. I'll skip forward in this story to where Naomi tells Ruth, this is what you do. Boaz will be out there at the threshing floor and tonight, after he has eaten, after he has had his supper, after he's drank, and he lays down... I want you to go and lay down at his feet. Now this is a strange custom in Israel. We don't really comprehend this, but this is the way in which a request could be made for him, the close relative, to be the family redeemer. And so that's what Ruth does. And he wakes up, and he sees it's her. And she says, take your garment." your blanket, and cover me. That's a way of asking for him to be the family redeemer. Boaz likes the idea. And he says he will. There's some other details because there's a relative that is a little bit closer, but that gets worked out. And Boaz ends up being the family redeemer. But in so doing, He's going to marry Ruth. So he does. I want to read to you from the fourth chapter, verse 13 through 17. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher in your old age. For your daughter in law, who loves you, is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child, Naomi took the child, and laid him on her bosom, and became a nurse to him. Also, verse 17, the neighbor women gave him a name saying there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name they called his name Obed he is the father of Jesse the father of David neighbor women gather around and they tell Naomi how blessed she is And how good God has been to her. And how her daughter-in-law loves her. And this child has been born to you. And then the village women name this son. And they call him Obed. Now in that day and time, names mean something. So you want to know what Obed means it means serving or servant so the writer goes on to record the lineage from Obed to Jesse to David and so we keep in mind where did this story begin in the days when the judges ruled that's a low point in Israel's history and now he said there is a son that has been born Obed his name is servant and he will have a son named Jesse and that man will have a son named David that will be the high point in Israel's history And so it goes from a time when every man does what is right in his own eyes to a time when there is a king in Israel. And that king was David. And you remember what it said about David? He was a man after God's own heart. Did David have his issues? Yeah, he did. He was a man after God's own heart. So you see this story take place between the low point and it points to the high point. Now I want you to keep this in mind also. It's clearly understood and all scholars recognize that when this story begins and it says that it took place in the days of the Judges, What that's saying is that this story is being written way down the line. Decades, maybe a century later. And the writer is recording this and he's looking back. And I want to tell you this story that took place during the days of the judges. Why do you think that would be recorded? I know this from the New Testament. That the Apostle Paul said in Romans 15 and verse 4. That whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. Do you think maybe that writer was inspired to write this. So Israel at that time would look back and say look what God did you think it's possible they looked back and they saw Naomi and they saw a little bit of themselves? And they saw a little bit of Israel? Ruth chapter 1 verse 20 through 22. This is Naomi, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter in law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season. It's a message that was preserved for Israel. At a time when every man was doing what is right in his own eyes. Where did God find a person who had the kind of heart that he was looking for? in a foreign land outside of his people he found a Moabite woman who had the kind of heart that God wanted his people to have do you remember from Deuteronomy once again God said and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength And yet, during the days of the judges, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. But God found a woman of noble character and the kind of heart that he was looking for. God loved Israel. God served Israel. God sacrifices for his people. That's the kind of love that he has. And that's the kind of love he's looking for in return. And so you know what God does sometimes? He holds up characters for us to see. And he wants us to look at those characters and say, are you like them? Or are you not like them? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, talking about Jesus Christ, that He left us an example that we should follow in His footsteps. Peter's saying, here's an example. Look at it. 1 Corinthians 11, chapter the Apostle Paul said, Be ye imitators of me, as I also am of Jesus Christ. I'll give you another illustration too. From the book of Judges. There's a fellow by the name of Samson. Remember him? In the book of Judges, no character takes up more space than Samson. Judges 13 through 16 is all about Samson. Samson was miraculously born. Israel was miraculously born. Samson... Was strong because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Israel conquered their enemies when God was with them. But ultimately, Samson, because of his weaknesses, was defeated by his enemies. Israel, because of their weaknesses were defeated by their enemies fleshly lust led them away but Samson just like Israel ultimately realized and that's during the days of the judges that they would cry out and they would turn back to the Lord the unfortunate part was that it was oftentimes just temporary. And then when the judge would die, they would go back to doing what they had done before. And so God uses Elimelech. He uses Naomi. He uses their experience in the land of Moab. And they find this woman who has the kind of heart that God desires. It's not the first time. It's not the last time that God will use somebody outside of his people to point to the kind of character that he desires. Do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Here is a man that is by the roadside. He's been beat up. He's been robbed. He's been left. And who passes by? A priest. And when he sees him, what's he do? He goes on the other side of the road. And then here comes the Levite. And when he sees him, he goes on the other side of the road. And then who shows up? A Samaritan. The people who are despised by Israel, by the Jews. And the Samaritan takes him, binds him up, takes care of him, takes him to an end, and pays for him to be cared for. And Jesus asks the question, who was a neighbor to that man? And the lawyer answered and he said, I guess the one who took care of him. And Jesus says, Go and do likewise. Hi. So, what's the message that God wanted Israel to see? I think what God wanted Israel to see as this writer, whatever exactly it was, we're not definitely sure, but we know it's in the future. And he writes and he looks back to that time. And what does he want Israel to remember? And what does he want them to see? That God wants you to trust him. He wants you to stay with him in the good times and in the bad. And that all along, God was working out His plan. It was in the days of the judges. And He finds a woman with the right kind of heart. And she has a child that is named Servant. You think there's a message there? This is the kind of heart I want. And this is what I want you to be. A servant. And I want you to trust me. And I want you to stay with me. In the good times and in the bad. Just like God stayed with Israel and worked out his plan. Naomi wandered like Israel did. But eventually she came back home. And when she came back home, she said, I went out full and I came back empty. You know what I'd like to say to Naomi at that time? Naomi, you're back home. That's the blessing you're back home where you should have always been and when she was back home that's when she was blessed that's the time that's the story I believe that's the message that we find as you take a look at the book of Ruth look at Naomi you can see Israel Look at Naomi, you can see yourself, can't you? I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If we can help you in making your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know how we can help while together we stand and while we sing.